Some things I hear all the time are, where is my motivation? Why am I not motivated? Why can I never let others down, but I always let myself down? What's wrong with me? Can you relate? There's nothing wrong with your motivation. I love you. You are pure magic. You can learn how to create weight loss strategies that will actually work in sync with how you're naturally and magically wired and motivated. Instead of trying to change yourself, let's celebrate who you are and lean into it while setting up your environment for success. In this month's Motivation Magic class, you'll learn, are you an abstainer or a moderator? You'll find out how to work your magic into keto with carb cycling and planned deviations. Are you an upholder, questioner, rebel, or obliger? Knowing the answer can magically transform your weight loss journey. You'll finally unlock strategies that will work for you. Taking these personality tests is so fun and helpful for learning about your own unique motivation magic and how to apply this to your health goals and really any goal you have for yourself. When you sign up for this recorded class, you can watch it whenever is good for you and have access to it forever. Sign up for $22 at bit.ly slash self-care keto class, or click the link in the show notes. Welcome back to self-care keto. I am your self-care keto coach, Jess, and I'm on a mission to create a magical experience to help you release the weight from your body and soul. So I do that through a combination of teaching you keto strategy that'll actually help you release the weight from your body but also some self-care mindset tools that'll help you release the weight from your soul in the process. Today, we're gonna talk about the magical formula for weight loss. And no, it's not simply just to eat keto. We're actually going to dig into some really nitty gritty strategies today. Um, It's a little less mindset focused today, a little more strategy focused today. But one thing that I notice happens quite a bit with women who start a keto diet is that they see initial progress in the beginning. They drop some, especially some water weight in that first week. And then maybe they'll see success for maybe a couple weeks after that. But usually after about a month, they might feel like, okay, why am I stalling? What's happening, right? And so a lot of that initial success in the beginning is due to, of course, releasing water weight and then balancing out your hormones, which eating a traditional high-fat keto diet is amazing for that. It balances out your blood sugar, stabilizes your insulin. And so a lot of that initial success is simply from those two things, releasing the water weight and then healing your hormones. Amazing, right? But then we start stalling out because we're actually not in a calorie deficit. So calories count, but you don't have to count them, right? Um, One of the most freeing things to me about eating keto was that I didn't have to have that running total of calories in my head for the entire day. That was like really such a burden to me. And I felt so free that I actually could eat intuitively, right? Um, So You can still eat intuitively with some of the strategies that I'm going to share with you today. But in the beginning, it is like, okay, oh, I didn't know that, right? Now that I know that, I can implement that and eat intuitively, taking that into consideration. So the magic formula for weight loss, bottom line up front, 
uh, bluff as uh, my military and veterans know. By the way, I used to work with the military and veteran community. I did that for nine years before I left my full-time job to pursue my weight loss coaching full-time. I'm trying to share little tidbits about my life and my past. Um, Sometimes people ask me, what did you do before this? So I worked in higher education finance, helping military and veterans use their tuition assistance and GI Bill. And along the way, um, I really had fun learning a lot of military lingo and acronyms and things like that. So they used to say bluff. What's the bluff? Bottom line up front. So the bottom line up front is that the magic formula for weight loss is satiety. What is satiety? Satiety is feeling full, right? So the magic formula for weight loss without any feeling of deprivation, restriction, or punishment is to actually feel full. I feel satisfied. Um, For the first time ever, when I started eating keto, I felt satisfied. It was amazing. And that really freed up my mind to not be so focused on food thoughts all day. And I leveraged that mental capacity to start to dig into some of the mindset work that I did to heal my relationship with food and weight and body image. But satiety is so, so important, right? Because if you're not feeling satiated, then you don't feel full, you feel miserable, you feel hungry all day. You're always thinking about the next meal, right? And so with satiety, um, which can be achieved through keto, but also particularly more through some of the strategies that I'm gonna share with you guys today. When you have that satiety, then you naturally eat less without even focusing on it you are consuming fewer calories without having to hyper-focus on counting calories or points or whatever, right? And so that's the goal, right? Is that it just feels easy, it feels natural, it feels fun, it feels enjoyable. That's what I want for you on your weight loss journey. And so learning how to actually physiologically create satiety, we're gonna talk some science and some strategy today, is so important for creating even the, the mindset that you want for yourself right? And so both are so important. We need the concrete strategy and we also need the mindset to succeed. So let's dig in a little bit. And I wanted to let you guys know that today's episode is actually inspired by a question that I got on Instagram from one of my Instagram followers. So shout out to Brandy because she has brought us this episode today. (laughs) And it actually started with the question, hey, um, should I be eating fatty meats or lean meats on keto? And actually how much fat should I even be eating on keto, right? And so shout out to Brandy. Um, I love helping people for free. I do it all the time in my Instagram direct messages on Facebook. Um, you can send me an email. You can put in a, a question on my website, theketofit.com. I just wanted to let you guys know that like, I love this so much that I would do it for free. And often I do do it for free. So information is free. Advice is free. Coaching is not free because coaching is not giving you information. It's giving you transformation, right? So But I love to give you these little tips and tricks along the way that can really help you in your journey. And so if you have a question, hey, hit me up on Instagram. Make sure that you're following me. I'm at the keto fit, all one word. And also if I have helped you with something already or I wind up helping you, I actually did create a little tip jar that I have over there on Instagram as well. It's making a little payment through PayPal. So if this podcast has blessed you and you wanna you know, give me a little tip, you can certainly do that as well. And I received that. I really appreciate that. So let's dig in um, to some of the answers that I shared with Brandy. And I thanked her because I was like, thank you so much. She was like, thank you so much. And I was like, no, no, thank you so much because you just gave me a podcast idea. So when people ask me questions, I'm like, oh yes, there's all this information that's inside of my head and more people, 
<laughs> more people need to know this. I share it with my clients, of course, but I want to share it with all of you to be as helpful as I possibly can to as many people as possible. So to answer her question, you know, should I eat fatty meats or lean meats on keto? How much fat should I eat on keto? And so we started talking about satiety and I was like, Hey, you know, bottom line up front, the magical formula for weight loss is satiety. And so I would like to share with you guys, um, some information that I learned, particularly from Dr. Ted Naiman, and he wrote a book called The PE Diet. I really, really recommend this, right? Um, PE stands for protein energy. Uh, protein to energy ratio is something that he talks about a lot. So basically, what percentage of your total energy, like the calories that you take in, comes from protein? And the higher that ratio is, the, the higher percentage that protein is of the total calories that you consume, the more satiety you're going to have, essentially. And so that's why it's called the PE diet, so the protein to energy diet. And you can follow him on Instagram. It's just all one word, Ted Naiman, N-A-I-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy. So go follow him. And he puts up some really cool infographics. And um, sometimes it's a little, you know, heady. Um, it's a little... Um, you know, I want to break it down for you guys. So, but I want to credit him with this information. So he put up this really cool infograph on his Instagram that you can take a look at. And it explains the difference um, with the four different macronutrients. So he's talking about protein, fat, carbs. Those are actually the three primary macronutrients. But he differentiates a fourth macronutrient for fiber. Fiber is actually a carbohydrate, um, but it doesn't have any impact on your blood sugar. It just passes directly through your colon because it's completely indigestible. So this is where the concept of net carbs comes from. So a lot of people count their net carbs. They subtract the fiber from the total carbs to count their net carbs. You totally can do that um, if primarily you're eating a whole foods-based diet. But for my clients who want to consume things like keto products that are like made in a lab, they have a lot of fake fiber in them. So I recommend counting total carbs instead of net carbs if you want to incorporate some of those products, which is totally fine if you'd like to do that. Um, so I just wanted to kind of explain where is this, you know, fourth macronutrient coming from. So he separates fiber from carbs in general. And I think that that's pretty cool to do when you're considering satiety, especially because they do function completely differently in the body. All right. So the four macronutrients that he talks about, protein, fiber, fat, and carbs. And then he talks about the short-term effect of satiety versus the long-term effect of satiety. So satiety basically just means feeling full, right? And so there's short-term satiety, which means in the meal itself, like you actually walk away from that meal feeling full. And then there's the long-term satiety, which means you feel full for quite a while before you actually need to eat again. And both are very important, right? Because if you don't feel full, in the meal itself, then you tend to want to keep eating until you get that feeling of satiation. Um, and then long-term satiety is important as well, because if you feel hungry two hours after the meal, well, then you're going to end up consuming more calories. You're going to keep grazing all day long, right? And so both are very important to consider. And by the way, another little tidbit is that a lot of times we focus on intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating as a great strategy to increase weight loss. And it is, right? Because your body can be in one of two states. You can be in a fed state or you can be in a fasted state. When you're in a fed state, insulin rises to try to actually metabolize the, the energy, the, 
that you're taking in, right? So insulin is a fat storage hormone, but what it actually does is it ushers too much carbohydrate or glucose out of your bloodstream because if it gets too high, it can be dangerous, right? And so it's very important. Um, But then when you are in a fasted state, which takes place about three to four hours after your last meal, you are actually burning fat for fuel. So insulin is not um, up high, it's down low. And then if you need any energy to go about your business of your life, like taking a walk, you know, doing chores around the house, whatever it might be that you're actually being active throughout the day, you will tap into your stored body fat for fuel. And that is what we want to be doing. We want to be burning our stored body fat to cause fat loss, which is really weight loss, right? So we say we want weight loss, but really we want fat loss. We want to preserve our muscle, um, things like that. So if you can have long-term satiety, meaning you can go six hours between your first meal and your second meal of the day. That's something common that I do. I, I feel so full after my first meal in the short term, I feel full walking away from the meal, but also I have long-term satiety because I'm not hungry again for another six, sometimes seven hours. So that's long-term satiety. That means my body actually has been able to dip back into a fasted state in between the two meals that I eat each day. And then I'm burning more fat for fuel throughout the day. So intermittent fasting can take place between meals, not just between your final meal of the day and your first meal the next morning. So this is why it's so beneficial to have both short-term satiety and long-term satiety. We don't want to just be grazing all day long. We want to give our bodies a chance to get back into that fasted state to actually increase our fat loss. Okay. So let's talk about these four different macronutrients and their effects on short-term satiety versus long-term satiety. So protein is the most important macronutrient for satiety. It is um, the one that causes you to feel the most full in the short-term and the long-term. So this is why protein is so important. It causes you to feel full in the meal. Think about eating a steak and your brain just knows like, oh my God, I could not eat another bite of steak, right? It, your brain shuts off and it's just like, I'm done, right? Um, and then the long-term effect as well, like you'll be full for hours if you eat a breakfast of bacon and eggs versus eat a breakfast of, you know, granola and orange juice, right? So granola and orange juice, you're gonna be hungry like two hours later, bacon and eggs, it's surprising. It's like, oh my gosh, sometimes you can go six hours and not even want to eat lunch if you have a nice, um, you know, high protein. And then there's some fat in that as well um, for breakfast, which we're going to get into. Okay. So protein is the most important source for both long-term feeling full, uh, feeling full for hours and short-term feeling full at the meal. Um, so particularly animal protein is very important. It's the most easily absorbed by the body. And so when you're focusing on protein at your meals, you want to consume about, I would say, um, six ounces of protein, or if you're consuming eggs, um, well, in general, you want to consume at least 30 grams of protein per meal. So that would look like four eggs, people. <laughs> An egg only has like six grams of protein and probably a, you know a little more protein to top it off if you're going to have some other breakfast meat with that situation. Um, or you're going to add some fiber, things like that. You could have some Greek yogurt with your eggs um, to kind of uh, bump up the protein. But yeah, if you're only eating two meals a day, like me, you know, 45 to 60 grams of protein per meal is something that I'm aiming for. So it all kind of depends on what your strategy is. If you're going to do three meals a day and a snack, then certainly you could, you know, do 
closer to 30 grams. But the reason why 30 grams of protein per meal is important for satiety um, is because you need enough volume of protein to actually cause that satiety to kick in, of course. Uh, But then also it does something called muscle protein synthesis. So it actually triggers your body to start building muscle once you've reached that peak point, that tipping point of enough protein. And so you do want to be building muscle um, when you are even losing fat, right? We're recompositioning our entire body. Um, when I used to lose weight just eating low calorie, um, I would get to a certain weight. Um, and then I was shocked when I started losing weight with low carb that I reached that, uh, I reached about 10 pounds higher than that weight that I was aiming for, but I was the same pant size because my body had a different composition of muscle to fat when I was eating high protein um, and preserving muscle and building muscle and then losing fat at the same time. So it's very important to eat high protein. You want to be building muscle, um, even if it's not for looks, um, just for age, um, to increase longevity, um, to have good skin and nails, right? All of these things are made up of proteins. To have good mental health is very important. Um, protein interacts with all the neurotransmitters in your brain. So protein is actually not an energy source, okay? So if we think about our bodies as a car, so we can burn two types of fuel, um, either fat for fuel or carbs for fuel, okay? So imagine that your car is like a hybrid and you can run off of you know, gasoline, so that would be like carbs, or you can run off of electricity, that would be fat. The reason I say that is because fat tends to be more of an unlimited source of energy because you're not only uh, burning the dietary fat that you're consuming, but you can tap easily into your stored body fat for fuel. So it's almost like um, more of an infinite resource as opposed to gas or carbs, which runs out pretty quickly. Once you've burned through those carbs, you kind of hit a wall, your blood sugar dips, and you're like, I need more carbs, right? The same way your gas tank is like, okay, I need more gas. So imagine that you're a hybrid car and you can run on either one, right? Um, Fat would be preferred or electricity would be preferred because it's more of an unlimited resource. But protein, what is protein then? Protein is making up the structure of your car. So it's composing the engine and the doors and the airbags and, you know, all the words that I don't understand about what's inside of a car, okay? But it's important. And imagine that your car kind of rebuilds itself um, on a daily basis, right? So you need a certain amount of protein every single day because your body needs to get these nine essential amino acids. Um, Protein breaks down into amino acids. And amino acids are the building blocks of every single cell in our body. Um, And particularly all of the electrical signaling that happens throughout our body is um, dependent upon having enough protein, right? And that includes the neurotransmitters in your brain. Like you will feel so much different and so much better when you get high protein. So this is why protein is just so important. Um, And also protein has the highest thermic effect of food. So what does that mean? The thermic effect of food is the amount of energy that the body burns simply to digest that energy source, right? And so protein has a thermic effect of food of about 25%. So that means that when you eat 100 calories of chicken breast, your body is really only holding onto about 75 calories of that because it had to burn 25 of them just to digest the chicken breast. Pretty incredible. Um, Meanwhile, with carbs and fat, um, fat is like, there's no thermic effect whatsoever. Like you're keeping like 95% to 100% of all of those calories. Carbs, there's maybe like a 5 to 10% um, thermic effect of food. So protein really is like helping your body to burn more calories without doing anything. It's pretty incredible. 
So that's why I'm harping so much on protein um, to start out because I'm going to talk you through basically how I recommend a higher protein version of keto. Fiber is the second thing to focus on to increase satiety. So fiber has a high short-term effect of satiety, but actually a pretty low long-term effect of satiety. So think about eating a huge salad, a million stalks of celery or whatever, right? If you didn't have any protein in that, you would get pretty full just from the sheer volume of that hitting your gut and stretching out your stomach receptors, right? And it's not spiking your blood sugar very much because it's fiber, right? So it's, it's indigestible and it passes through your colon, but it causes that stretch factor. A lot of people who are high volume eaters, it takes a lot of getting used to when you switch to a keto diet and then these high volume eaters are just switching to fat, but they're eating way too much volume of fat, right? So we don't want to be doing that because that's a million calories and you end up gaining weight on keto, right? So if you're more of a volume eater and you really appreciate that stomach stretch feel, fiber is going to be your friend, right? (laughs) So if you're eating, you know, about, um, with protein, if you're eating about six ounces of protein per meal, that's going to be like the size of your entire hand. Okay. So like a piece of chicken or a piece of steak or a piece of pork or whatever, the size of your entire hand, the fingers, not just your palm. A lot of times you might've heard like eat a palm size worth of protein or a deck of cards worth of protein. That's like three ounces, right? I want you eating more like six ounces of protein per meal. For fiber, um, imagine eating, putting two fistfuls of fiber on your plate, right? And so fiber is going to be essentially fruits and vegetables, right? Um, so there's there's fiber that doesn't have any fat in it. That's fruits and vegetables, right? So, you know, any kind of salad vegetables, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, um, cauliflower, cabbage, um, other low-carb vegetables that have a lot of fiber are like asparagus, green beans, um, bell peppers, any kind of, you know, mushrooms, any kind of thing that you would put on a salad essentially, or you could cook it up as well. Um, green tends to be the highest fiber things. Um, so focus on fiber because that's going to add volume to your plate without any fat. But there are some sources of fiber that do have good fat in them. Um, that would be like avocado, um, flax seed, hemp hearts, basically any kind of nuts and seeds are high fiber, but also they have fat added to it, which isn't bad, but it's just something that we want to pay attention to and not eat an unlimited amount of. But fiber without the fat, so the fruits and vegetables, um, as long as you're choosing fruits and vegetables that are low in carbs that are not going to spike your blood sugar really high, like you can eat so much of that. Like I eat an entire higher bag of broccoli or cauliflower. That's like the steam in the bag kind that I put in the microwave. Like I'll eat the whole bag people. Like (laughs) don't be afraid of the volume. It feels so good. Or just a giant salad, right? It feels so good to have that stretch receptor. And it's really good for your body to be eating that fiber. It's going to definitely produce the short-term effect, but there's not really a long-term effect of fiber. So that's why you need to not just eat only fiber, but you're going to pair the protein with the fiber. Um, Sometimes even though, if I eat um, high protein and high fiber, so um, a lot of times think about like... um, like fitness competitors or bodybuilding competitors, right? And they're trying to drop as much fat from their body as quickly as possible to um, be in like show competition status, right? So think about this, that what are they eating? They're eating chicken breast and broccoli, like no fat added to it whatsoever. So yeah, of course, if you eat high protein, high fiber and no fat whatsoever, you're going to drop weight super fast, but it's completely miserable because you're hungry all the time. 
Okay. So we don't want that, right? Even though like, I don't want you to think what's going to get me there the fastest. I want you to think, well, what's going to be the most sustainable for me? What's actually going to be enjoyable for me? Because guess what? You're not going to do it, right? You're not a fitness competitor. You don't have a show competition coming up. You might have like a wedding or you might have like whatever it is. Like, I mean, you're going to treat it like that, but I guarantee you, these guys are miserable. They will tell you flat out. It's absolute misery to try to do this. And then right after the competition is over, what happens? Typically they put on, you know, so much weight very quickly because they want to binge, right? Like literally some of them will go out to a buffet like the day after and it's just, it's just crazy. And it's not good for your body to go through all of that. I know if you're listening to this, you're like, I don't want to just keep yo-yoing and keep losing the same 10 pounds over and over again. We've had enough of that. We want to lose weight for the last time. Okay. So you don't want to eat no fat, even though it would get you to your goal faster. Okay. It's going to make you feel miserable in the process. You're not going to have the long-term satiety. So that's where fat comes into play. Okay. So we've talked about protein is high for short-term satiety and for long-term satiety. Fiber is high for short-term satiety. It's stretching out those stomach receptors in the meal. You feel full at the meal, but it's not going to keep you full for very long. Um, So fat actually has a low short-term effect for satiety, but a long... a high long-term effect for satiety. So basically like it takes a little bit of time for your body to realize that you're full from the fat that you just ate. This is why I can eat half a jar of nut butter. (laughs) No problem, right? Number one, nut butter is like so delicious. It's highly palatable, right? But like I could probably like, it's, it's scary. That's like a thousand calories of fat, like no problem whatsoever. If I'm just eating straight nut butter, like out of the jar. And I know probably some of you guys have done it too. Right. Um, and this is kind of where the the issue comes in. It's the kind of the classic mistake of like why people start stalling out on keto is because you tend to think like, Oh, well fat, fat is like a free for all. Like I'm, I'm eating fat as my primary fuel source now. And I'm, I'm, um, you know, not eating as many carbs. So I can eat all the fat I want and it doesn't count like all the all the bacon I want all of the cream cheese I want all of the sour cream I want all of the heavy whipping cream I want and it's like no it, you actually can't right because those calories do matter like I try to tell people all the time ketosis just means that you are primarily burning fat for fuel instead of carbs for fuel you can maintain your weight in ketosis which is what I'm doing um you can gain weight in ketosis has happened to me before um happens to lots of women that I talk to that are so frustrated and they're reaching out, right? Um, And then you can lose weight in ketosis. So ketosis is the tool that helps you create satiety so that you can naturally eat less and lose weight effortlessly with ease, right? Um, But a lot of times we are consuming way too much fat without realizing it, okay? Um, It's very, very easy to dump a bunch of avocado and sour cream and cheese on your tacos all at once. And you don't really notice, like in the short term, you're not feeling very full. In the long term, that's great. That's going to keep you full for hours and hours and hours. But you've still just consumed way more calories than what you really need, and you're not going to be losing weight. Okay. So for fat, it is important. We definitely want to include the fat because again, we do want the long-term satiety between meals. I don't want you to just eat high protein and high fiber and be hungry two hours later and feel kind of miserable in that process. Um, So I want you to be able to enjoy the meal, use enough fat to make your food taste good, right? So what does this look like? This looks like about um, one to two tablespoons of fat per meal. Um, So if we're using the illustration of the hand, right? So protein, you're going to eat an entire hand size worth of meat, right? Fiber, two fistfuls of low carb fruits or vegetables. Okay. Fat would be like the tip of your thumb, um, from like the middle knuckle to the, 
to the tip. That would be one tablespoon. So one to two of these. So I just want to give you like a good visual so that if you're not the type of person that wants to be, you know, measuring tablespoons and tracking things and, and, um, my, and, and card manager or whatever, like, I think that's great, but some people are just like, ugh, I, I don't want to do it. it. It triggers you or you're just like, that's just too too high maintenance for me. <laughs> if I have to do that, I'm not going to do it. So you don't have to do that to succeed. So that's why I'm trying to give you some of these visuals um, to fill your plate. So one to two tablespoons per meal. So yeah, of course you want to cook. Uh, your vegetables will taste better if you put butter or olive oil on them, right? But don't just douse it on there, right? Your salad, of course you want it to taste good with salad dressing, but don't just like do a heavy pour of ranch and who knows how many tablespoons you've just consumed, right? Um, so it's okay. You know, if you're eating primarily a big salad, um, and you know, your main source of fat is the salad dressing, like who eats two tablespoons of ranch on like, you know, three or four cups worth of salad. Of course not. Like you're going to eat like four tablespoons of ranch, but I'm saying just be intentional with it and measure it out the first time or maybe a few times so that you're like, Oh, okay. This is what four tablespoons of ranch looks like instead of just a free for all. Same thing with like mayonnaise, right? Like we're just like dumping mayonnaise into our tuna salad. Like it doesn't matter. I used to do this all the time, right? Be intentional. Try to put, you know, a whole can of tuna. Yes. Awesome. Eat the whole can, right? I tell my, and if it's a three ounce can, eat two of them. You want six ounces of that tuna, right? Um, but try to just limit it to two tablespoons of mayonnaise and it'll still taste good. You know, you can also add some mustard in there if you need it to be a little bit more, um, moist, um, or you can put some vinegar in there. Um, you can add spices like dill, um, basil, like whatever kind of things you want to do to actually add some more flavor if you need to, but be careful with the fat and we're not just, um, you know, fat does actually matter. So high protein, high fiber, eat enough fat to make your food taste good and to create that long-term satiety. And then carbs, he breaks down as the fourth macronutrient. Now he does say that carbs does, carbs do create some short-term satiety. I think it kind of depends because if you're eating like, for example, pasta, right? Like, yes, if you eat a certain amount, of course it is going to cause the stomach stretch receptors to activate, but essentially there's zero like long-term satiety with that. And, you know, I don't even think sometimes like if it's short-term effect, like I could eat an entire box of Cheez-Its, right? Like it's essentially just carbs, maybe a little bit of fat, no fiber, no protein whatsoever, whole box, no problem. And then I'm like, yeah, let's do more, right? (laughs) Like we've all been there. So Essentially, if you're trying to eat, and especially if you're eating a low-carb diet um, because you're trying to manage your blood sugar, trying to heal your insulin resistance, carbs are not really going to be your friend to create the volume for short-term satiety, but fiber is. So focus on those low-carb vegetables especially to create that stretch feeling. Okay, so this was such a helpful... um, thing to learn is like the difference between short-term satiety and long-term satiety. We want to prioritize both. And the way that we can do that essentially is make sure you're eating high protein, high fiber, and enough fat to feel full for a long time in between your meals. If you are eating high protein and high fiber and um, you've added some fat, but you notice that you're hungry three hours after your last meal, you may not have had enough fat. Okay. And so just take that into consideration for the next time and start to play around with it. So, you know, if I eat, for example, um, you know, a turkey, a a deli meat turkey roll up with just mustard. Okay. So that's high protein, right? But where's the fat? There's, there's no fat to that. So that might hold me over in the meantime, but if I add a little bit of mayonnaise to that, then that would hold me over for so much longer, right? So fat can be your friend, but use it kind of mindfully. 
Okay, so essentially what we're um, talking about here is not just following kind of the classic keto diet, um, which is like 75% fat, 15% protein, 5% carbs is kind of a classic ketogenic diet where most people tend to start out. And that's totally fine. I think it's great to start out that way if you're transitioning from a high carb standard American diet. So, um, and this is what most people do. Um, you're, a, a standard American diet, people are probably only eating still about 15% protein. It's not very high protein. Um, so when I transition my clients, I tell them like, Hey, you can eat unlimited amounts of protein. And that feels really good because we need to know that we can feel full, right? We don't want to feel deprived or, um, restricted or punished in any way, shape or form. So it felt so good to me when I first started eating Atkins back in 2013, that his take on it was like, eat all the protein you want, all the fish, all of the shrimp, all of the chicken breast, all of the steak, all of the pork chops, whatever you want. If you're still hungry, eat more protein. And that was so helpful to me. Now, some people who um, are proponents of a classic ketogenic ketogenic diet, and I think we're starting to get away from this, um, but I remember there was like a time, probably like 2014 to you know, 2015, 2016, it was really starting to rise in popularity, the keto diet, right? But they were like, hey, it's high fat, moderate protein, low carb. And the fear was that if you eat too much protein, that it would convert to glucose. And that's true that your body does have this ability to convert protein into glucose, but it's kind of debatable, debatable is this like an automatic process or is it an as needed process? And so a lot of times people will say, oh, don't eat keto. Like I actually had this happen um, with my therapist and she was very open and I explained it to her, but she works primarily with people with eating disorders. And she had a nutritionist, she's not a nutritionist, but she had a nutritionist once tell her like, hey, be very, very careful if you're treating anybody as a therapist that eats low carb or keto because the brain needs glucose to survive. And you're probably going to be dealing with like some crazy people. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, what? Really? Like, and I explained to her, I was like, no, no, like the body can actually convert, um, you know, your body can convert fat into glucose and your body can convert protein into glucose as well. And so, um, carbs are not an essential macronutrient. Like your body can certainly use them and it likes to use them the same way that you can put gas in your car. But you know, if you have an electric car, you don't need gas, right? You just need to get enough electric charge put into your car through fat. Right. And so your body can produce on demand, all of the glucose that it actually needs to run. It's true that some of your organs and your brain do need glucose to run, but it can be, um, created on demand, right? And so, but that's kind of the reason getting back to this whole idea of like 75% um, fat, 15% um, protein, and then 5% carbs. um, This was designed actually to treat childhood epilepsy back in the 1920s. And it's so fascinating, right? How ketones have this amazing signaling effect on the brain. And when the brain um, runs on using more ketones for fuel instead of glucose for fuel, ketones can cross the blood-brain barrier. And it really resolved epileptic seizures. Um, And also it is so fascinating how it's resolving so many things for people like autism, depression, anxiety, Alzheimer's, um, other neurological conditions like MS, um, things like that. It's just absolutely incredible. Not to mention, you know, what I mentioned to you before too, about not just the ketones effect on the brain, but the high protein effect on the brain is really, really helpful for mental health as well. So 
a lot of people start out eating this way, eating high fat, moderate protein, low carb, just kind of naturally. Like if you're just focusing on restricting carbs, you're going to wind up eating a lot more fat. And that's totally fine. Again, because that first month you're just like losing water weight, you're healing your hormones, you're feeling really great. Um, but then once you realize like you've kind of reached the stall, you might want to consider switching, um, to a different breakdown of those macronutrients, which I would really recommend 30% protein at a minimum, um, and then more like 10% carbs and 60% fat. So you're still eating high fat, but it's just a little bit more of a moderated approach. It's not a free-for-all with fat. It's not like, hey, we're eating sticks of butter for fun, right? (laughs) So like some people do well on this forever and they don't have to switch, right? But I think um, this is like the biggest thing to pay attention to if you are reaching a stall um, where you're not losing weight or you're not losing as weight as quickly as you wanted to, try eating more of a higher protein, more moderated fat approach. And then you can bump up to about 10% carbs, as long as those carbs are coming from fiber. So we're paying attention to our total carbs and fiber is a carb, right? So you're getting the majority of those 10% carbs from fruits and vegetables, not just from a bunch of like, you know, keto products, things like that. All right. So, um, high protein, high fiber, enough fat to feel full. Getting back to the original question that Brandy um, asked me, she was like, okay, so should I be eating fatty meats or should I be eating lean meats on keto? And my answer to her was, well, you can actually choose, right? Because you do need to get enough fat at each meal to create that long-term satiety, right? So when you're eating a fatty meat, that is your fat source for that meal. So you don't want to be eating a fatty meat and then adding more fat to your meal. Okay. So that's kind of where we're getting into trouble, right? So people might have, um, you know, a ribeye and that's a really high fat meat, but then also you're having collie mash. Uh, so like, uh, cauliflower mashed up and it's got butter and it's got sour cream and then you're adding cheese and bacon. And so now you've got like a ton of fat per meal, right? You don't need that much fat in that meal. So if you have a fatty meat like a ribeye, maybe you could have some raw vegetables. So like some um, raw um, bell peppers or celery or cucumbers, and you could make a non-fat Greek yogurt dip. So that way you've already used your fat for that meal, like you've spent your fat essentially. And so you want to choose a side that would create some volume. So some raw vegetables, because if we do cooked vegetables, we tend to want to put some fat on it, right? Like, or else it's not really going to taste good, just steamed vegetables with salt. Who likes that? But if you do raw vegetables, you could make your own um, Greek yogurt dip. So get some plain non-fat Greek yogurt and add your own spices to it. So like you could add some garlic and some dill, um, and that would kind of make like a nice ranch flavor. You could add some onion powder to make like a French onion. So that would be a really great way to still have your fatty meat and make it work. Another way that I like to have a fatty meat and make it work is to have a salad, right? But you're not going to be choosing a salad dressing that has a bunch of fat. So one thing that some people might disagree with me on, but I think it's a tool that works is to use some of these um, zero calorie salad dressings. And please don't hate me (laughs) because I know that a lot of the reasons why some of you guys have chosen keto is because you don't, you know, don't choose like the fat-free stuff that is loaded with sugar, like a fat-free vinaigrette that has a bunch of sugar. You want to choose like a calorie-free dressing. And the fact that these exist is kind of mind-blowing, but they mainly use sucralose as a sweetener, which I'm fine with that sweetener. Um, But Walden Farms makes these zero-calorie dressings. Um, I don't like the ones that are supposed to be like a substitute for a dairy, like ranch or Thousand Island, anything creamy. 
I really don't love that. But anything that's like a vinaigrette type of dressing, it's just like essentially like a sugar-free, fat-free, zero-calorie vinaigrette. So their Italian is good, balsamic. They have like fruity balsamic, like a pear balsamic. They have raspberry vinaigrette. They have like an Asian sesame type of vinaigrette. I think they're delicious. And I like to use them when I am am choosing a fatty meat and I need like just a high-volume salad that doesn't have a lot of fat added to it. So it's a tool. All right. So basically, um, you know, if you're choosing a fatty meat, so here's another example that happens all the time. You would choose a fatty burger, right? So you're having a bunless burger, but then you're adding cheese, bacon, and mayo to it, right? So we've just completely overloaded on fat and calories, right? Um, And it tastes so freaking good, right? But if you're choosing the fatty burger, um, so you're choosing like, you know, like an 80-20 um, burger, which is typical when you go get a burger somewhere. Um, you might want to consider not doing the cheese and the bacon and the mayo and instead flavor it with like ketchup, a little bit of ketchup, even restaurant ketchup would be fine. Just like one tablespoon, it's probably four carbs, um, but ketchup, mustard, some onion and some pickle to make that taste really good because you've already spent your fat on the meat itself. Or if you're making something at home, you could make like a lean turkey burger if you want and then add the avocado or the cheese or the bacon to something like that because you've saved fat by choosing a leaner cut of meat or you made your own chicken burger would be even leaner than that. Um, So if you're choosing lean protein though, like I said, you can spend your fat elsewhere. So you can choose to add, you know, the avocado or the cheese or the salad dressing or whatever. Um, Here's another example. Um, So like a Cobb salad right? If you go to the Cheesecake Factory and you get their Cobb salad, which is so bomb, um, but it comes with a lean protein on it, lean, you know, grilled chicken breast, right? But it also has bacon, avocado, blue cheese dressing. Um, So there's like, and uh, no, blue cheese and then the salad dressing on top of that. So that's four fat sources on that salad. I would choose one to two. So still enjoy the Cobb salad, um, but maybe bring your own salad dressing right? Um, One of the Walden Farms ones, and then just choose two fat sources. So maybe you want the bacon and the blue cheese crumbles. That's probably what I would choose. Um, Or maybe you would love to do the avocado and just ranch, but you're going to skip the bacon and the blue cheese. Um, And even then, when you choose the ranch as the salad dressing, don't use that whole entire beautiful little, you know, it looks like a genie's lamp (laughs) type of thing. Don't use that whole thing. That's probably like, I don't know, like, at least a third of a cup of salad dressing, okay? So you want to be mindful of the salad dressing even if you're using that as your fat source. So I hope that these tips have been helpful. Um, Essentially kind of wrapping it up is what is the magic formula for weight loss? And when I say magic, I say that word intentionally because like I said, I'm here to create a magical experience for you guys that helps you release the weight from your body and your soul. When I first started eating keto, I was like, oh my God, this is magic. Why has somebody never told me about this before? And it is really magical if you've never experienced satiety before that you finally experience it for the first time. And it feels so amazing. And the food freedom that you get, like it's really a magical experience. Um, so I use the word magic intentionally when I say, what is the magic formula for weight loss? And it's, it's not just eating keto. It is creating satiety for yourself is the magic formula to weight loss. And why it feels magical is because it feels easy. It feels so freaking easy to lose weight when you feel satisfied and full. Um, and now you can create the satiety by eating, you know, high protein, um, high fiber, and then dousing yourself with fat right? So you've created, um, you know, short-term and long-term satiety with that, right? 
but you've overdone it on fat and you've overdone it on calories. And that's why you're not losing weight. Okay. So I promise it's not going to feel miserable to scale back the fat as long as you um, still make your food taste good, but you're just being a little bit more intentional. And that is exactly what is going to get you through that stall and get you to start burning your stored body fat for fuel, right? The less dietary fat that you consume, Again, it's not none, no fat, right? So don't, please, please. This is one thing that I just, um, you know, help try to help my clients break all the time. If, if a little is good, then more is better. No, not necessarily true. Okay. So if a little fasting is good, then more fasting is even better. No, not true. Right. We'll talk about fasting another day, but that's just an example of like more is not always better. Okay. Um, or to amp it up is not always better. So, oh, okay. If, um, eating, moderating my fat is good, then eating zero fat is even better. No, that's not necessarily true because then you're going to feel miserable in the process and nobody's going to actually stick with something long-term. Your, your body and your brain are eventually going to be like, what the hell is happening? I'm so sick of this. And just like sabotage you. Right. Okay. So we don't want that. So high protein, high fiber, just be mindful of the fat. Okay. So one thing that can be really helpful is actually setting up your carb manager settings to allow for this. Okay. And again, if you want to do that, um, choose your custom macros. So when you're setting up your settings, don't just choose keto as the default. Um, I think there is like actually a high protein keto setting that you can do. Um, where as long as it looks like 30% protein, 10% carbs, 60% fat is what you're going for. There may be a high protein um, keto setting that's already done in there for you, but if it's not, then just choose custom macros and you can drag the, pr- the percentages of um, the protein, fat, and carbs to set it up that way. Um, so that's a little um, you know, actual concrete tip for you guys. And this, uh, is the magical formula for weight loss that I help all of my clients with. And again, not everybody needs to do this. Some people succeed forever eating the typical high fat version of keto, and they just enjoy that more. Um, if you enjoy that more and you don't want to, you know, try this strategy, the thing that I would say to you is just be mindful of your portion sizes, right? So eating high fat keto, like I want to eat all the butter. I want to eat all the cream cheese. I want to eat all the nuts and you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, okay. Choose smaller plates and just be mindful of your portions. So you can even choose the standard keto, you know, um, setting in carb manager and do that, but you are going to have to still measure out your fat right? Um, you're still going to have to pay attention to fat no matter which way you cut it. Um, but I like that um, eating higher protein actually allows you to feel more satiety and it feels like, okay, at least I have something that truly is unlimited, right? So if basically I'm crushing you right now by telling you fat <laughs> cannot be unlimited if you want to lose weight, you're like, what? What? I thought that I could, I thought that I could eat all the bacon I wanted. And you know, now this lady is crushing my dreams and telling me that that's my actual problem. Okay. But I am telling you that protein is truly unlimited, right? So if you're the type of person that just needs that for your nervous system to feel safe, I feel you. I'm the same way. Okay. Um, if you want to, if you've loved this information and you're like, oh my God, this totally clicks. This makes so much sense. And I want to read more. Um, again, I really recommend reading Ted Neiman's book, The PE Diet. Okay. So I'll be back with you guys next week with some more great information. If you have any questions, um, definitely, you know, you're like, what about this? What about that? Like, Hey, hit me up on Instagram. I'm at the keto fit and just send me a message. Um, if you're not on social media or, uh, you know, I'm also on Facebook. If you're not an Instagram person, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, or if you're just like, Oh, I hate social media. Just send me an email. I am the keto fit at gmail.com. And I would love to connect with you and I would love to help you. As we wrap up this episode, um, if you are somebody that's just like, yeah, 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 I know all the strategies. Um, I just don't know why I'm not doing it. 
right? Like I could learn all the strategies in the world and still I'm like self-sabotaging all the time. It's not that I don't know what to do. It's that I don't know why I'm not doing it. And thank you, Jess, for this little strategy that is simply going to go in one ear and out the other because I can never seem to implement anything, even if I know it's going to (laughs) work. Hi, I want to be your coach. I can help you with that, right? So some people need, for example, just more external accountability to succeed. Actually, 60% of people, the majority of people need some form of external accountability to succeed. So a coach can definitely help with that external accountability, but that's not all. I'm actually helping you to process through the mindset blocks that are causing you not to implement what it is that you actually want to do. So one thing that I love to help my clients with is to figure out if it's um, a little technique called asking yourself a constraint question. So you can do this whether you work with a coach or not, okay? So a lot of times um, what we do is we just ask an unhelpful question to our brain and we're really mean to ourselves when we talk to ourselves. We're like, you know, um, what's wrong with me? Or um, why am I so stuck, right? And so if you ask yourself that kind of a question, well, you're going to give yourself an answer <laughs> to the question that you asked. If you say, what's wrong with me? Your brain's going to start telling you everything that's wrong with you. Okay. So a constraint question, um, I'll give another example just to start out. So, and again, this helps, um, talk more nicely to yourself and the other people in your life, including your kids, your spouse, anybody that you're in a relationship with. Okay. So imagine that somebody lies to you and then you ask, why did you lie to me? right? So this is kind of an unhelpful question because it's going to make them defensive and it's going to bring up a long list of reasons to justify, you know, why they lied to you or whatever. So not a helpful question to ask your kids, why did you lie? They're just going to like probably stare at you like in freeze mode, like a deer in the headlights because they're ashamed. They're afraid they're in trouble. Not, it's really not a helpful question, right? Try this instead. So a constraint question would say, um, what kept you from telling the truth? Okay. So the, why it's called a constraint question is because it's like something constrained you from doing what you are naturally bent towards doing, which is I'm assuming that you are good, right? And I'm assuming that your natural bend is to do the right thing that you actually want to tell the truth, but something kept you from telling the truth. Something constrained you from telling the truth. So that's called a constraint question. And just think about the difference and how that feels. If somebody asked you, why did you lie versus what kept you from telling the truth? oh my gosh, it's like, okay, first of all, it gives your brain an opportunity to actually realize, yes, I, I did want to tell the truth, but I was afraid, okay? Um, I was worried what people would think about me. I was worried about getting in trouble. I was you know, ashamed, whatever it might be. Like, Then they're actually able to access the truth. Um, and at the same time, you're honoring and giving them dignity and assuming the best about them by phrasing the question in that way, right? So we can do that for ourselves. Instead of saying, what's wrong with me? That question assumes that there is something wrong with you, that you are broken, that you are screwed up, that you are, you know, terminally unhelpable, <laughs> okay? To ask yourself a constraint question would be to say, what is blocking my wisdom? What is blocking my knowing? Okay? And so that's what I do with you as your coach. I ask you that question. When you're saying, what's wrong with me? Why am I so stuck? I'm saying, yes. Okay, you feel stuck. What is blocking your wisdom? What is blocking your knowing? I always tell my clients, you have a really damn good reason for not doing what you want to do. It's because you have some type of protective part of you that is trying to help you to get your needs met and feels threatened that whatever this strategy is, that this strategy is going to prevent you from getting that need met. 
right? And so if you're listening to this and you're like, uh, even the thing about like, oh, I can't eat unlimited amounts of fat and you feel like freaking out like, oh my God, now I have to give up this. Now I'm missing out on this, blah, 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 blah. Okay. That's the scared protective part of you that is like, I'm not going to get my needs met, right? And so once you can identify through that constraint question, what's blocking my wisdom? Oh, I have fear. Um, or, or I feel, I feel anxiety. Um, I'm trying to people please like, now I'm going to make life even more difficult for the people in my family if I start following this new strategy or they're going to roll their eyes at me or whatever it might be. There's a protective part of you that is worried that you're not going to get your needs met. So therefore, that's a really damn good reason to not do it, right? Because we want you to get your needs met. We don't want you to feel freaked out or miserable or um, any of those things. We want you to get your needs met. But through self-compassion and through having identified, okay, this is the real reason. This is the thing that's blocking me. Now, what can I do about it? I can talk to that part of myself that feels afraid and assure her, okay, babe, that makes so much sense that you're worried that you're not going to feel full or satisfied, that you're not going to get enough pleasure, that you're not going to feel relaxation, that you're not going to get whatever the need met is, right? I promise you that I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to help you meet that need in a way that's not harmful to you. Everybody can win. We can, we can figure this out right? And so this is just an example of some of the mindset stuff that I do with my clients. So if you are needing somebody to help you actually implement the strategies that are going to get you to your goal, but you have mindset stuff that is getting in your way, it's constraining you, right? I'm your gal. I can help you with that. I help so many women with this and you can rewire your brain. There's so much hope. It's never too late to change. And I would love to be a part of your journey. So again, just reach out to me in any way that works for you on social media. Send me that email, head over to my website, theketofit.com and fill out an inquiry form. And we will hop on a completely free curiosity call. We'll jump on zoom. We'll get to know each other a little bit better. I want to hear your story. I want to hear the things that you're going through. And I can tell you more about exactly how I can help you through coaching together one-on-one, or I have a self-coaching course that you can go through and you can basically coach yourself using some of the same mindset tools that I use with my clients. And that is a lot more of an accessible way to work with me. I know some people just don't have the financial availability or the time to dedicate to um, the coaching sessions right now. Either way, um, I have payment plans for both for the one-on-one as well as the online course. So I would just love to support you in your journey. So please reach out and I'd love to connect with you. Hope everybody has a fantastic week and I'll be back with you soon. You don't have to eat every meal at home and stick rigidly to a boring meal plan to be successful. You don't have to sacrifice pleasure and fun to get results. In fact, you'll probably self-sabotage if you do it that way. In the Self-Care Keto Restaurant Guide, I take you through a plan to navigate the food opportunities of eating out at restaurants from a mindset of self-care. It's a 38-page, easy-to-use, downloadable, and printable guide. And yes, I tell you exactly what to order at 41 different restaurants, fast food chains, and genres of cuisine, including American, Indian, Italian, Mexican, Chinese, Thai, sushi, etc. But here's what else you'll get from this guide. You'll feel confident and relaxed about going out to eat, whether you choose to eat keto or to have a planned deviation from it. You'll learn about and celebrate your personality type and how that impacts your food choices. Are you an abstainer or a moderator and what do you do about it? You'll learn how to have a planned deviation or a carb up when going out to eat without any guilt or drama. You'll learn how to incorporate carb cycling into your social plans and going out to eat. 
You'll have strategies for food and alcohol that actually work for you. You'll develop self-awareness and self-compassion for emotional eating on special occasions or even just on the weekends. You'll know how to succeed at any kind of restaurant from fast food to fine dining. You'll feel in control and have zero regrets, and you'll be ready to get right back on track with a healthy mindset after a deviation. Head on over to theketofit.com restaurant to grab your copy today.